This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash techbytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. About a million listens a month, or at least those were the numbers before we went into staying at home and quarantining for the global COVID-19 pandemic. It's hard to know how many people are listening, but we all have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and catch up on what's happening in the world around us. And I'm happy to say that since March, we have been recording Tech Bytes remotely via Zencaster, along with almost all of the Heritage Radio Network programs. We are bringing you real-time stories about organizations and businesses that have made a pivot into helping the industry and helping people kind of deal a little bit better um, with this with this time. It's so challenging, especially for the restaurant community, the restaurant industry, our food chain, our food supply. And food has always been something that we gather together around in a community, and now we are doing that virtually more than ever. Today, I'm really happy to have with us William Drew, who is the Communications Director of the World's 50 Best. Um, it has, for the past 18 years, really been a highlight of the restaurant industry, the announcement of the annual World's 50 Best restaurant list um, has always come with some excitement, um, a little nervousness from top restaurants around the world. Um, it's a little bit competitive. Um, it's been a, a phenomenal accolade that people um, love to have amongst their peers. And it has also been a tremendous driver for a restaurant's economy, really making a restaurant an international destination for people to seek it out and, and come from around the world. And typically, World's 50 Best has a award ceremony that really is a coming together of hundreds of people from around the world, from the restaurant industry, um, every spring. And this year, it was slated to happen in Belgium on June 2nd. And of course, they've postponed that. And instead of doing a uh, award ceremony for the restaurant community, they have launched what they've called 50 Best for Recovery, which is a restaurant recovery hub on their website platform, and it involves a lot of different things. So in the original um, pre-COVID-19 Tech Bytes world, we only had guests who could come live in the studio, which was in Roberta's Pizza. We would eat pizza and we would talk in person about the topic. And now we exclusively have people calling in. And in this situation, I'm, I'm really happy to say that we have this new change in protocol. Otherwise, we might have never been talking to William, who is at home in the UK. So I'll say, William, good afternoon to you. Good morning for us here in New York. But thank you for joining us. Uh, that's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I, I have to say, I'd, I'd prefer to be uh, doing this eating pizza at Roberta's um, with, with you uh, for many reasons. <laughs> but um, but. Um, it is. Uh, it, it, we have to deal with the circumstances as they are. So it's a pleasure to to join you, even if remotely. 
typically at the beginning of Tech Bytes, we would talk about apps, our favorite apps, new things that we discovered, um, things that we were using every day. And I've been asking guests in, in this period of time, has there been an app or a digital platform that has been particularly useful or helpful to you right now, either getting work done, connecting with people, or even maybe um, passing the time or creating a distraction? Is there something that's been um, really, really essential for you? Well, gosh, I'm... Tough question. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say Zoom because that's presumably a really boring answer. So, <laughs> um, no, I, I've, we've been busier but than legitimate. ever, I have to say. Uh, well, of, of course, but, you know, connectivity is, is, is vitally important. Um, you know, we've been, we, we need distracting less, less than ever, even though we're not able to go to restaurants, which is one of the great pleasures in life. Um, I guess switching our attention to a new, a very new, um, area which is not you know traditionally our area of expertise which is how to raise funds and help the, the restaurant sector that's been pretty uh, all-consuming so we've been doing a lot of checking out how uh, how people have done this in the past but also virtual events how people are running their virtual events and what um, what platforms they're using for those so that's been some interesting research it is an interesting idea of how you go from being a, a very in-person, um, very exclusive event, talking about a category of in-person exclusive restaurants and pivot that into something that is um, a little bit more democratic and resourceful. It's a really, it's not an, an evident um, pivot. And I think it's definitely a challenge. And, you know, when I saw the launch of the 50 best for Recovery Hub, you know, I thought it was it was so well done because it is not really clear, I think, um, how the restaurant industry navigates this and then how, you know, the, the ancillary support groups navigate this as well. I mean, I think it's worth noting if we take a snapshot of some of the um, former World's 50 Best number one restaurants, you know, we have Noma, uh, which is world-renowned, and they are reopening this week, I believe, on Thursday, uh, May 21st, and they are not reopening as an extremely exclusive, expensive reservations, months and months in advanced um, dining experience. They are opening as an outdoor, no-reservation wine bar with a menu of two burgers. And I think that is a... Looking at that just as a as a snapshot and as a statement, um, they want to be outdoors. They want to be all inclusive. They want people to come together. They want to be accessible to the greatest number of people. Um, my guess is also that a large portion of their clientele was coming on airplanes and things like that, which aren't going to happen. But I think it's notable. Another notable um, fifty best top top um, number one restaurant is Eleven Madison Park. And the chef there, Daniel Hum, is working with a food nonprofit called Rethink, and they are making meals to serve essential workers. So it's really, uh, you know, if you look at what the top restaurants have been doing, it was it a, was it a natural pivot for you all to go into the Fifty Best Recovery Hub? Did you debate it? Was it an immediate action that happened? It was, of course, we debated it, and um, um, and I didn't. It felt relatively natural, while at the same time being. Uh, quite scary to go into some you know an area that we were not so familiar with but I guess to give it a little bit of context 
of course, everyone's had to change the way they think about everything. But for a number of years, the world's 50 best restaurants as an organization which runs uh, what we, well, the 50 best organization that's behind it, which runs the world's 50 best restaurants, but also the world's 50 best bars, as well as various offshoots, Latin America's 50 best restaurants, Asia's 50 best restaurants. Um, those are all lists, and it's kind of been built on this list and this ranking. But we have tried in the last few years to be about much more than that, to be a voice in gastronomy as a whole, to run a series of thought leadership discussion forums called 50 Best Talks. We launched um, another um, platform called 50 Best Discovery, which was opening up more restaurants that had been voted for by our experts that were you know, many that were more accessible. So there were many more unranked restaurants um, on this 50 Best Discovery hub, um, as well as uh, an event series called 50 Best Explores, where we literally take chefs and some media to go explore lesser known culinary regions and promote and discover, you know, indigenous food in different parts of the world and, um, you know, rediscover traditions and so on. All of that added up to the fact that we were trying already and we believe succeeding already to be about more than just a list, even if the world's 50 best restaurants list was still the most high profile thing we do. And the event program we put around that, which as you say was due to take place in Antwerp in Flanders, the northern part of Belgium, even if those five days are the kind of um, the high, you know, the, um, the high point of the year for, for, for us and for, for those people involved, you know, the epicenter of what we do. But because we'd started to do more than just that list, then once we made the decision that, that not to produce a list this year because, um, you know, of everything that's going on, it didn't feel the right time to look at the world of restaurants as a whole in that, in that format, then it was a case of, okay, well, what can we do and what are our strengths and how can we utilise our strengths? And our strengths are the network we have globally. There are very few organisations in gastronomy that are global, that look over, over the whole world. Now we can turn that to the to our advantage, to the advantage of, of the restaurant sector globally. This is a, a, a situation which has affected genuinely the whole world um, and certainly the restaurants um, across the world. We realised that we wanted to help the restaurant sector and that we had an opportunity to try and help the restaurant sector. So in that sense, as soon as we realised that, it felt like a natural fit to try and um, work out the best way of, uh, of doing that and best way of putting our resources and energy into, into this 50 Best for Recovery programme. It seems like you were able to launch the Restaurant Recovery Hub pretty quickly. And it also, from taking a look at it, it seems like there's a lot of really new information here. Lists of resources, safety guidelines, and things about training and industry support. So it, it looks like you, you know, got together and really created some new things. How did you decide which things were going to be important and helpful? I'm, I'm particularly interested by the handbook for reopening from the Black Sheep Restaurants, which is a really great document. And I, I would be curious also to hear how, you know, you acquired that and, and were able to put it online. Mm -hmm. I guess it goes back to that global network um, that, that I mentioned previously. We, we have the you know, we have a, a structure uh, in terms of um, a network of academy chairs who head up our voting system for for the awards and the uh, and the list, um, who are spread across the world, who are very well connected individuals um, in in their particular regions. 
So we reached out to them, of course, and then we reached out to the restaurants uh, and bars that, that are a part of our network as well that we have an you know ongoing relationship with that we're talking to all, all the time and communicating with. So through that, we naturally receive back a huge amount of information. And one of the things we realized was, was that, you know, this great information that was coming out of a restaurant group in Hong Kong was not necessarily going to be known or shared by uh, restaurants in, in the US. How could they access this? So we were literally becoming a hub or we wanted to use our recovery hub to, you know, connect the connect the dots there. So we're, we're reposting and re-publishing um, what we think is the best content that is of most use both to restaurants themselves, the restaurant industry, but also to food lovers, to the to the diners who want to help and what can they do and what's, uh, what exciting initiatives are going on around the world that either they can be part of or they can be inspired by because they want to hear about, you know, how chefs and restaurants have pivoted, what great work they're doing, you know, all the work that uh, Jose Andres and his World Central Kitchen are doing, the work that Daniel Hume is doing with his rethink food um and so forth so, you know people are heartened and inspired by these stories so we're, we're collecting what we believe are the best stories the best information whether it be really practical useful information such as the you know that document produced by black sheep or whether it's you know a story an individual story of pivoting or even reopening we have stories coming up about restaurants in europe that are reopening under the new restrictions and what we can learn from that so we're putting that together. Some of it's our own content. Some of it's content that we're 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 literally kind of amplifying um, across yeah across the world. One of the interesting things about the pandemic is that while it is global, its timeline is happening. The timeline of the progression and the lockdown and the reopenings and things like that is is happening at a very timeline around the world. It's happening at a very timeline in the United States. It's happening in a very timeline even in New York State. We have parts of upstate New York that are opening, and here in New York City, we're still staying at home. So one of the interesting things about putting everything up onto a hub and um, thoughts and pieces and resources for restaurants and consumers that are at a different place along the trajectory People will have a need for information at different points in time. And as you said, restaurants in Asia were opening first. Now we have Europe. U.S. is just starting to open now. So people will maybe be looking for different things at different points in time. Have you taken a look at the tracking in terms of what people are clicking on and what has been uh, of most interesting to people? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, going back to your first point, I think this is a really, it's a really valid and interesting area that this is this pandemic is is has amazing commonalities across the world but it's also very uneven and there are fundamental differences between different regions but often it's a timeline as you say so you can really learn um, if you get some detailed uh, observation on what people are doing um, ahead of time that will really help inform you whether you be as a restaurant or as a consumer of what what you can do or what to expect in the in the coming weeks um, we're finding it a, a really interesting mix of what people are uh, clicking on and interested in. They're certainly uh, interested in the, you know, in some in some of the key practicalities. But the most, the the, the content that's had the most interest has been where we have brought together 
and highlighted initiatives from all over the world. So we've, we've drawn together what we think, and this is an ongoing series, what we think are the most interesting initiatives, whether it be to help uh, you know, feed the, those in need or feed the frontline workers, or whether it's um, you know, new um, initiatives to try and support the restaurant industry and show solidarity across the hospitality sector, where we've drawn together different initiatives from all parts of the world. People are fascinated Seem, you know, they seem to be interested and engaged in that. So even though you may not be able to do anything and, and be directly involved in, a, in, a, in an initiative that's going on in Lima, Peru, if you're based in Singapore, you're still interested to see what they're doing because it might inspire you and, and, and um, you know, you like to get that global view. I guess our audience is a pretty, you know, internationally focused audience, even though we've all had to, you know, become more yeah, by necessity, more local and more locally focused. There's still that interest in the in the in the wider world, um, and I guess in the future that will come back in terms of hopefully being able to travel again, albeit perhaps under different uh, parameters. And right now, the connectivity of a website and social media is really is really where we're at in terms of being able to share things and experience things. And I mean, it is notable, and it's a subject that we've talked about on this show for many years, and that is the tremendous influence that digital media, uh, social media, and websites have had on the global restaurant community, just in terms of uh, sharing ideas, creating trends in the space of you know days and weeks, whereas a trend used to take years to spread across the world in the olden days when it was about print and airplanes and phone calls. <laughs> Um, so the restaurant industry has always been, I think, you know, while they may not be technologically savvy, um, inside their institutions, they are definitely used to an understanding of the, the impact of the digital space. And, um, you know, maybe that's what makes it so easy for people to come together now because they've been doing it, you know, for so long. We are going to take a quick break and find out who the sponsor is of this episode of Tech Bytes. Did you know that we are a 501c3 nonprofit? We're kind of like public radio and we keep the lights on and the mics hot with the generosity of our members, who many of our listeners like you, grants, as well as underwriters and sponsors. So stay with us and find out who is sponsoring this episode of Tech Bytes. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or a small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. 
See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash techbytes. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology and innovation. And since March, we have been focusing our content towards organizations and companies and people who have been pivoting their mission and their product to really try and provide relief to the restaurant industry and to people at large to really uh, support and sustain our food world. Today we are talking with William Drew, who is the communication director of the World's 50 Best. You know them from the World's 50 Best Restaurants and the World's 50 Best Bars, an amazing list of fantastic restaurants around the world. And they have pivoted their awards and ratings focus to recovery and aid focus. If you want to participate or you want to check out what they're doing, visit them online at theworlds50best.com backslash recovery. 50 is numerical, 50. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at theworlds50best and on Facebook at 50bestrestaurants. They will be launching an e-cookbook in June that you can download for a small donation with some fantastic recipes with chefs. And they'll also be launching a bid for recovery auction later in June as well, which should be some extra special things um, that people can buy to help support restaurants. Um, William, tell us a little bit about, you know, the two-pronged engagement that you're hoping to get with these different things, both on this, you know, on one hand, engaging the restaurant community and then on the other hand engaging consumers who want to support them how have Mm -hmm. you been navigating these two sort of distinct demographics well i guess we we wanted to firstly utilize the 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 connections we have and the relationships we have with restaurants and, and chefs and the desire as we've seen from restaurants and chefs who are at the, the the top of the the industry the you know the lucky ones who appear on the world's 50 best restaurants list uh by and large although you know everyone is, is struggling in different ways they're by and large the the luckier ones and they but their desire to help others is been pretty evident um you've seen that across many uh, many restaurant businesses in in the last couple of months of um you know they're in the hospitality world and it's natural for them to want to help people that's um, often part of why people get into this business in, in the first place the business of, of feeding people so you know they want to help people and we we're tapping into that by saying okay what what can we put together that provides an out of this world gastronomic experience something that someone who is lucky enough to have a little bit of uh, money uh, at the moment can buy for uh, you know for the future for for 2021 realistically or beyond um, but that is something that is an extraordinary experience to look forward to based around food but may involve you know spending time with the chef or getting a one-to-one cooking class with the chef as well as uh, eating in in their restaurant maybe tasting some of the most um, most uh, exclusive wines and so forth now we're going to put together a series of packages in conjunction with the chefs and restaurateurs and, and bar owners um, and then auction those packages off uh, at a bid for recovery auction from mid-June onwards with the uh, the the caveat that all the, the monies raised, all the funds raised from that recovery auction will be redistributed to help the restaurant and bar sectors recover from the, you know, pretty 
um, severe crisis that, that it's in right now across the world. Distributing money seems to be one of the challenging things as well, which is an interesting hiccup that I think a lot of people haven't necessarily thought about. Um, so many people, you know, have done different fundraising efforts. And one of our early guests um, in March was Mitchell Davis, um, chief operating officer of the James Beard Foundation, who was talking about their recovery efforts and everything and some of the things that they had to create as well. Um, in parallel was also just sort of how to navigate and, and deal with the funding. Has that been a new project for you as well, now that you're sort of getting into the, you know, nonprofit donation Absolutely. business? Absolutely, one of many and certainly uh, a challenging one. Um, our, our, our broad principles are that we want to, uh, we're trying to find nonprofit organizations across different parts of, of, of the world who are helping restaurants and bars in, in, in varying cases, but not necessarily um, directly funding individual restaurants, but helping to boost and promote the restaurant sector as a whole in its bid for recovery. Now, that might be through, um, you know, the lobbying for particular changes in the structure of the industry or the, the um, you know, the regulations that, that surround it or lobbying government for changes to, you know, the finances or financial relief. Um, or it could indeed be um, um, trying to help particular restaurants by by um, you know promoting their reopening. So it's it's a it's a difficult one. It's not going to be sort of even across the board across the world because every uh, country and then the hospitality within hospitality industry within every country has a different setup and structure. And in some countries, that, you know, there's a lot of uh, state support and in others there's, there's, there's none at all. So we have to kind of make that make that judgment. We've set up an, an independent um, recovery fund with the guarantee that everything we, that goes into that fund will then uh, be redistributed out. There's no admin cost from, from our side. Um, we're also working with our sponsor partners led by San Pellegrino who will also be contributing to to the 50 best recovery fund we hope to raise as much money as possible but look we also want want um your regular diners and regular consumers to be able to access uh, to be able to help and access something so that's where the e-cookbook comes in that we're putting putting together in kind of record time to so that for a small minimum donation anyone can access uh what will be over 50 home uh, home cooked recipes from the world's uh, leading chefs as well as cocktail recipes that you can make at home to to pair with them um, and we hope that, that that's wonderful be an encouragement for people to cook great great food at home but also at the same time donate to um, to the future of the restaurant sector it certainly has been a cooking revolution also at the same time which is perhaps one of the positive things coming out of this people have been cooking more and more um, taking the time to, um, you know, learn to bake and pickle and jar and can and, you know, growing little windowsill gardens and things like that. And also, um, you know, some of the grocery and food supply issues have driven people also directly um, to purchasing from uh, farms and farmers markets and some of the community supported agricultural subscriptions and things like that. So, you know, it's been um, an interesting um perhaps silver lining to the whole thing of people spending time at home and not being able to go into restaurants, cooking more and perhaps 
um, building a, a different kind of connection to their food and their cooking, which may, you know, make them have a, a little bit of a different perspective when they come out into the world and um, come back to restaurants. I would be curious, you know, to hear if in your conversations, either actual or, you know, digitally or from emails that you get, do you have a sense um, of what restaurants are thinking about when they're thinking about reopening? Are people, um, are restaurants thinking about really a significant change like Noma, where they're going from extreme fine dining to um, casual wine and, and burgers in the garden outside? Are you seeing any trends regionally around the world um, as things open in waves? Has it been across the board, you know, everything under the sun? Yeah. I think there's broadly, <laughs> you have to see it in two phases. You have to see it in the reopening now with, with restrictions phase. And then the, let's call it the post-pandemic phase. I know that, that, that you know, that's not in itself a simple concept because we don't know if there will be a post, truly post-pandemic phase. But let's call it that for now when, you know, things are, if not back to normal, um, less restricted than they are in terms of social distancing in, in restaurants for, and, and, and the lack of um, international travel, which is pretty, pretty kind of prevalent right now and it's going to be for the next uh, number of months of course we don't know how many but i think there are two phases so the first phase is much more about um, flexibility survival uh, working out how we how restaurants can you know reopen while still uh, at least breaking even when they do so you know they've had such a hard time with no income coming in whatsoever that you know reopening is not a given and reopening uh with with only 40 or 50 percent capacity in the in the restaurant which is the case for many may just may not be viable so they've got to do a lot of work on that um and but at the same time there are some fundamental changes that i'm sure will come in i mean nomus nomus um nomus new incarnation is i think for the phase one it's a temporary uh, while they now work on how they reopen the restaurant proper itself, they've done um, you know the burgers and, and and wine bar outdoor wine bar concept, which is very, which is um, you know very resonant and very uh, as you said very applicable for for this time. But I do believe that they will reopen, and they certainly have said that they plan to reopen the the restaurant itself. Um, um, you know, in, in, in more in the kin that it, in the way that it was before, but how restaurants change post pandemic is is going to be really really challenging, and difficult to know. But I, I'm just touching on what you said earlier, Jennifer. This, there are definitely going to be stronger connections uh, to food that have, that come out of this um, of this crisis, um, and I'm sure that will have a positive effect on people's relationship with with food and the sustainability of food and 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 restaurants as well um but how that kind of manifests itself in detail still very difficult to know of course i think it is um you know you talked about you know initial reopenings for restaurant you know flexibility and adaptability which is so important um to resiliency one of the great things um i think about Noma's announcement of what they're doing and and their current plan to reopen in this version is that being such a world leader in terms of dining and fine dining 
it, it's a good signal, I think, to the industry and to people to say, hey, this is, this is what's happening right now. You know, we get to open back up, but it's going to take us weeks and weeks and weeks to even prepare the kitchen and the product and the ingredients to get us back to where we were. So this is our transitional moment. And for, you know, for an, an entity that is so recognized globally, it sends a great signal, I think, to other restaurant owners. It sends a great signal to the global consumer of, oh, okay, so this is what you know, one of the number one restaurants in the world is going to do. So let's all readjust what our expectation is. And I think that's important as well. And, you know, I think also, you know, much to that same thought, um, you know, the your recovery hub kind of speaks to that as well, sort of being a leader of saying, you know, typically this is what we do, but now we're adjusting and and um, we recognize that as a signal to everybody um, because restaurants only work when the vision of the chef and the restaurant and the restaurateur and the staff aligns with the desires of the customer. And if those things aren't in alignment, then, then it really doesn't work. And right now it's about so much more than, you know, what's on the plate or what's in the cellar and what's at the bar and what's in your cocktail glass. So I think having industry leaders signal those kinds of things um, is going to become increasingly important. I would be curious if you've heard um, any other um, reopening um, ideas and strategies. I mean, you have Black Sheep on the website. We've just heard that from Noma. Are there any other really, um, you know, sort of 50 best restaurants that are coming out um, with their reopening strategies that might be a bit different from what the restaurant looked like when they closed? I mean, it's, it's the majority of restaurants uh, uh, have not reopened yet, but they are beginning to do so. Um, in Europe, we're seeing restaurants in Berlin, in in Vienna, and you know, upcoming in Italy reopening. Um, and you know, the, but they have that the, they generally haven't quite done so yet. They're in the process of doing so either this week or next week. Um, and we'll have to see. I haven't seen anything as 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 radical as Nomas, but they will all. There was certainly some rethinking in terms of the menu structure. Um, and this may in part be because they're, they're going to be catering to a, a, a local audience as opposed to a lot of these restaurants, as you mentioned earlier, catered to an international, a mix of international and local, but perhaps with a greater emphasis on being a destination restaurant that people come to from around the world or even from the same country, but, um, but uh, you know, out of the city that they're in as a special sort of destination. Now these restaurants have to... Uh, are being forced to rethink and, and reconnect with their with with their their near neighbours, I guess, their local uh, residents, um, and so they, that's that's a that's a positive in terms of rethinking about how they connect with those closer geographically to them. It'll be very interesting to see how things happen, um, and you know, perhaps being you know in the United States or being at a different trajectory in terms of you know the opening effect. We all do have. Um, we do have the value of seeing, you know, what people do and maybe making adjustments and things like that. You know, the world's 50 best event is, is such a big international celebration. I know that you start planning it a year, two years in advance with all the different, you know, pieces that are involved and the people and the venues, you know, 
managing these types of international, you know, lists and resources are, are typically things that you plan very far in advance to get everything done. How is the planning going now? I've been asking all my guests, <laughs> how have you managed, been managing the planning? I, I know you have these um, events coming up in June. So you have probably a four to six week, you know, sort of trajectory on these June projects with the e-cookbook and, you know, the auction. How is 50 Best projecting for the next, you know, uh, six months? Are you projecting into 2021 about what you'll be doing or what types of things will be possible or? Well, we're, we're projecting, but with a big, uh, with big question marks over everything, <laughs> You know, we we plan to we plan, of course, in twenty twenty one to have the world's fifty best restaurants event program take place, um, and in in the location that it was due to take place in twenty twenty, which is Antwerp in, in Flanders, northern Belgium, and we want to bring the gastronomic world together. However, of course, that comes with a massive caveat of we'll see what the what the world is looking like and what the appetite for. You know, for travel and for those that and, and for those sort of um, gastronomic gatherings is like nearer the time. You know, that we, we shall ha- we shall see. But what I what I am optimistic about is the ability of the restaurant sector and the hospitality sector to bounce back in terms of um, you know business and entrepreneurship and determination and passion and drive. Because we've seen from from the response to this crisis how how agile and how positive. The restaurant sector can be when you know when it faced with a with a major challenge. Now, the next major challenge will not be just dealing with okay, how do we how do we switch in in lockdown to delivery or takeout or helping others, but how do we refire up the whole restaurant sector when you know it's going to be in part uh, decimated and severely bruised by by this uh, crisis, which is you know which is not going to be a quick. It's not going to be a quick fix. What we want to be with part of our celebrations, whether they be in person, you know, gathering people together in person or connecting people across the world digitally, uh, we want to be a part of that process and do what we can to help the revitalization um, of the restaurant sector, which I have no doubt will happen. And we just want to accelerate that to, you know, to, to, to reboot the business as, as positive as possible, even if that is in a very different way and has a, you know, has a different shape, which I'm, I'm sure it will do. So in answer, back to your, back to your question, um, we're, we're trying to predict what we're going to be doing in six months time, but we're, we're doing it in the full knowledge that, uh, that, that will change, um, uh, any given moment really. <laughs> That sounds about right. I wonder, will you be, um, are you discussing um, adding new categories um, and new lists, maybe um, 50 best delivery or 50 best uh, food product from a restaurant or 50 best um, non-edible item, you know, for sale with restaurant branding or perhaps um, on, you know, on a more serious note, um, you know, the 50 best, um, the 50 best philanthropists or, you know, the 50 best community supporter there are, you know, to your point, restaurants are, restaurants are the businesses globally that are, are going to take the most severe economic hit. Um, in the U S um, Tom Colicchio, you know, famously has said in many interviews up to 75% of the restaurants may not make it back. And that's just a staggering number. And it's, you know, restaurants are not just things that we do 
um, on a personal level to be happy and celebrate and feel good and well-fed, but they're just so intrinsic to the fabric of our local and, and national economies. It's always amazing to me, and you spoke, you know, you spoke of this earlier and mentioned this a few times as well, how much restaurants and chefs and restaurateurs and, you know, wine people and bar owners are willing to give from resources that are so small. Yeah. It's, it's really always staggering. Do you um, talk about maybe seeing some like new categories of things coming or? Yeah. I mean, at the moment we're focused primarily on 50 best for recovery and what we can do uh, in the short to medium term. But, of course, we have one eye on on, on, on planning for the future. Um, uh, it would be irresponsible not to. So I would say that everything is on the table in terms of the the format and detail of the awards and the list and how we present that and what we focus on and what categories there are. Everything is on the table. An organization like 50 Best and the, and the way we present the list and awards is is ever evolving. It's actually, you know, we've been doing it for 18 years and um, it's evolved over that uh, over that time for sure from, um, you know, from a, a small event in London in, in, in uh, 18 years ago to, to this kind of global um, get together in different parts of the world that it, that it has been in recent years. And it will continue to evolve and reflect what's going on in the world of, of gastronomy. We do think there's an important role for organizations like ours to play in, in helping um, you know, promote the great things, the best things and the best people and what people are, are doing both creatively and, um, you know, in terms of leadership and sustainably and, um, you know, and in terms of experience for, for, for consumers as well. We want to celebrate all of those things, um, but there's, there's no doubt that how we celebrate them and it's precisely what we celebrate, um, you know, may evolve over, over whether it be next year or over the coming years. Well, certainly this is a time of, um, you know, throwing your arms around the things that you love and really holding on to them so that you have them for the future. Um, and it's notable, the new um, 50 Best logo with, you know, the zero is a heart. It's, it's really charming. And I think, you know, it just, it just speaks volumes about the moment that we're in. Who knows, maybe in the future you have a 50 Best for Recovery list and you have 50 of the, you know, organizations, people, institutions, restaurants, you know, over this time who really, you know, made an exceptional effort to do something might be, might be a nice, might be a nice thing as well. I want to um, really thank uh, William Drew for joining us today and giving us a little bit of a global point of view about what's happening. Um, the 50 best, worlds50best.com backslash recovery is where you will find the recovery hub. It's got great information um, that in, you know, it's, it's both in real time and also as things are opening up across the world. There's also some nice um, editorial article content about different things, including, you know, mental health and how people are feeling. It's a very stressful time for everybody. And oftentimes our restaurant workers are essential and, and that's stressful as well. You can find them on social media at the world's 50 best on Instagram and Twitter. You can find them on Facebook at 50 Best Restaurants. Uh, again, keep checking in and follow along and look out for the e-cookbook in June, along with the bid for recovery also coming out later in June. Um, and you know what? Support your restaurants and bars in any way you can. If you're at home and you can't go out, 
Um, you know, follow them on social media, buy a gift card for the future, you know, a t-shirt, something like that. Many of them are delivering. Um, if you're able to go out um, into your city and things are, you know, safe and good, you know, support your restaurants in any way you can. Um, they support us, not just um, in terms of what they feed us, but they really are um, part of the structural fabric of our communities, both locally and globally. If you have a story uh, or you're a business and you are doing something that is critical to share, please get in touch with us. Techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org is our email address. You can find us on social media at techbyteshrn. We are very interactive. We would love to hear your stories, and we are really dedicated to staying on the air every week, producing a great podcast, and sharing information about what organizations like 50 Best for Recovery are doing, how restaurants can get help, how people can give help, how you can support. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, um, it's important to take a break from our news cycle and hear from people who are doing positive things, because hearing a good story, I think, makes us all feel a little bit better. Um, thank you for coming on, William. Thank you. It's uh, great to... We'll have to have you back again uh, in the future, hopefully back to the, uh, back to the pizza at studio at Roberta's oh, sometime oh. in the distant future. I would love that. <laughs> well, thank you for having us on Tech Bites. It's been a pleasure. And for all you listeners, heritageradionetwork.org. We have tens of thousands of hours of podcast. We have current current shows about critical stories and issues from farming to restaurants to all types of things. Come and join us. Spend some time with us. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bites is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>